Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hope when we find you all in good form as you're looking forward to the weekend ahead. The weekend ahead, of course, that is an All-Ireland football final weekend. And it's uh, it's make you smile to see on the papers. All the All-Ireland banter is well underway. And the Examiner newspaper are running with a really terrific photograph of farmer Brendan O'Connor. He's from near Caron Tool and he used plant-based dyes to show his animals to colours and they use plant-based dye so that it won't harm their health in any way and if in case you're worried from an animal welfare point of view it'll wash off the green and gold will wash off with the rain so he decided to dye sheep cows geese and goats and they're all roaming around the McGiddy Cuddy Weeks as Aunt Lucy says just dying for a Kerry win and the banter goes on where Brendan says Kerry are written off by everyone but he feels that Dublin have peaked and they're gone past their peak. I wonder would people agree uh, with that? And then there's a great story from Glenflesk National School. They've offered to help out Dublin when they lose their five in a row. And the school, this primary school tweeted Dublin GAA to say if Kerry stopped the drive for five, then the school in Kerry are going to celebrate by giving homework off for five days in a row and the very bold principal even then offered to buy some of the five in a row t-shirts from Dublin for the pupils to wear during their own homework free schedule. <laughs> and we'll get lots and lots more of that banter between now and when the final whistle blows on Sunday afternoon. And when I was chatting with with Simon about the All-Ireland and I was looking at it from a weather point of view and I wasn't too sure of the rain because there's a lot of rain forecasted for today into tomorrow. I didn't know if it was going to run on to Sunday or not but according to Met Aram they can't, this is for the All-Ireland, they can't guarantee a fully dry day for the match but they are saying it won't be persistent rain. Anybody heading off to electric picnic needs to pack warm clothing as well as rain gear and uh, wellies. It really isn't festival weather. 
uh, even though some would say rain is festival weather, there is a status yellow rain warning affecting a lot of the country. It does affect us here in Cork and uh, Kerry. We're expecting between 30 millimetres and 50 millimetres of rain to fall. And the status yellow warning is in place now. It kicked in at six o'clock this morning and it stays in place until six o'clock tomorrow morning. So the worst of the rain will be expected later on today and overnight. Then it should taper off into a mixture of sunny spells and showers for tomorrow and Sunday will be similar but cooler. The temperatures really are starting to dip and you can really sort of feel autumn is uh, arriving. Uh, But to any of our Kerry and we do have a lot of Kerry listeners. We wish you all the very best of luck on Sunday. And maybe we've got some Dublin listeners uh, as well. I'm wondering what people agree with that Kerry farmer. Have Dublin peaked? Have they gone past their peak? Or do you think Dublin are going to be the first team ever to do the five in a row? Your thoughts welcomed. 1850-333-103. We, on the programme today, now Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter is heading to Bandon this morning and we are hoping to speak with her at some stage today. She's heading down to the protest outside APP in uh, Bandon and the visiting Chinese delegation, as we heard Barry on the news uh, reference, they will be in their their in Ireland inspecting various meat processing plants and they're due today to visit APB in Bandon and it looks like they are going there's going to be a standoff at the facility because accountant Kieran Cochran was asked by farmers to act as a broker and so he contacted the managers at APP in Bandon and he said that those on the picket line would withdraw for the duration of the visit by the Chinese delegation and they're here from today through until Monday, I think. So they, they said that they'd agreed to go from Friday to Monday if the company, APB, lifted its injunctions against protesters at the plant and if a restricted number of livestock were allowed access. Now, Kieran Cochran, on behalf of the protesters, said APB banned and rejected the offer and farmers on the picket line now have pledged instead to increase numbers at today's action. The development came after it merged that two of the pickets outside other meat processing plants have temporarily been stood down. The one at the APB facility in Care that has been uh, running since Sunday but yesterday afternoon the demonstrators cleared away from the front of the factory so that the Chinese officials could continue with their inspection on arrival and then the Dawn Meats facility at Grenat in County Waterford those picketing said they will withdraw from the site when the inspectors visit and they're due to visit this morning although the protest action is set to resume as soon as the Chinese uh, delegation uh, leave and it's interesting and I saw this on the news and it's this pictures I think they've done it in, in Bandon as well they have the signs up factory cartel uh, trying to starve farmers to death they've that written on some of the boards that they're carrying as they're protesting or on the side of uh, trailers and they got somebody then to write it in Chinese so that the Chinese delegation will be able to read what's on the posters 
and try to they're trying to get their message through to the Chinese as to why they are out protesting. And actually, that suggestion came up on this programme earlier on in the week when we were talking about the protests and we were talking about the visiting Chinese. And I don't think anybody wants to do anything that would jeopardise the opening of that market. I mean, that's a very, very important market. But somebody was saying you could get your message through by putting signs up in Chinese. So it looks like the, the farmers have taken on board that uh, suggestion. So hopefully we'll cross to Fiona Corcoran at some stage today uh, just to find out what exactly is happening at APB in Bandon. Also on the programme today, we will discuss a tented village for homeless people that has sprung up just outside the city centre in Cork. Now, from what we can gather, the people that are staying in this tented uh, village they, they seem to be almost, they formed a little community themselves. They are people who, for their own reasons, do not want to stay in homeless shelters. Many of them would have had addiction issues in the past and are fearful of relapsing. Uh, and others have never been addicts and they just don't want to be around people with addiction issues for fear that they might go down the same slippery slope. And we seemingly don't have facilities for people who want to completely avoid anyone who's got any kind of an addiction issue and sadly we know that a number of rough sleepers and a number of people who find themselves homeless are addicted to either alcohol and our drugs and they end up in a lot of these homeless shelters and then people who who are either off the drugs are fearful of getting back on the drugs or the drink do not want to be anywhere near somebody who might be drinking or taking drugs you can actually understand why but my goodness to see people in our beautiful city in a tented village it's really really sad so we'll chat about that we're also going to hear how some people in Bandon are against the council's traffic plan for the town this is a great very large traffic plan that the council say is going to enhance the town but we're hearing from some people in Bandon who don't feel it's going to enhance the town if anything they feel it's going to make the gateway of West Cork into the bottleneck of West Cork so we will hear about their concerns uh, this morning. We'll also speak with some of the parents whose children are affected by not having a seat on the bus and a bizarre situation seemed to have unfolded in Bandon where young people got on the bus on the morning and then when they went to get back on the bus after school there wasn't any seats on the bus for them. The bus simply was full so the bus took off leaving the students on the side of the road and we're hearing that one young, only a first year, and they, uh, tricky enough your first day in first year and suddenly to discover you're stranded and you can't get on the bus he didn't even have a mobile phone to be able to ring home uh, now luckily he was spotted by another neighbour who picked him up and, and brought him home but there's ongoing problems with the school bus I mean we have it every year but it seems to be particularly bad this year so we're going to chat uh, about it and I can already see some texts uh, coming in Mary says Patricia my son is going into junior cycle and is attending Hamilton High School in Bandon he has no ticket this year as he wasn't chosen out of the lottery as the bus is full says Mary so Mary's son would have been one of the ones on a concessionary ticket and I assume for the last two years Mary he did have a concessionary ticket and now suddenly he doesn't you're not on your own and it does that Bandon area and the the areas feeding into Bandon seems to be particularly bad with not enough seats on the on the buses and not and certainly the concessionary 
a lot of people have been left behind because there wasn't enough concession receipts uh, available. And somebody else says, Patricia, with the school term just started, a lot of children have shorter hours for the first few days, so they won't be using the school bus to next week when the rosters get regularised. So while we may be having problems this week, we could have even bigger problems next week if they've oversold the bus or if they've handed out too many tickets and there's not enough seats uh, on the uh, bus. And just... So your thoughts, if you are one of those parents whose child is cut out and you have a story to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. And actually, again, all of the papers are full of lovely pictures of children back going to school and the children going to school their first days. Because yesterday seemed to be really the official day when everybody went back to school. I mean, other schools, there was a staggering of opening of other schools. But the, the majority of schools, it seemed to be yesterday, was kind of the first full day for all of the schools to be back. So there's great pictures again in the papers and a lovely text in from Maura to say Patricia we always talk about how important it is to support our local shops absolutely well yesterday our local centre that's Carney's Centre in Ballydesmond they gave an invitation to all the children that started school with their name on it an invitation to pop into Carney's Centre for a free ice cream how amazing is that Ballydesmond is a great little village says Maura isn't that lovely well done take a bow Whoever came up with that idea in Carney's Centre in Ballydesmond and Mora is right. Shop local, support local because they are the businesses that will always look after you for sure. Also on the programme this morning, a UCC programme aimed at getting women back into the workplace. This is aimed at women who may have taken a career break, maybe took time off to uh, raise children, maybe took time off by way of maternity leave and then decided not to go back into the workforce. Maybe you've been out of work for whatever reason. Maybe you lost a job and you haven't been able to find work. But a lot of women find the idea of going back to work hard and that is a confidence thing. Oh, everything's moved on. Technology has moved on. I'd never be able for it. I wouldn't be able to do it. And it's just that lacking in confidence. So this is a bespoke programme running in UCC and we'll find out more about it on the programme uh, today. And Mark Malone will join us after half past 12 today when he'll give suggestions of some movies that we can watch. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 
That's John Parr on C103 and that is St. Elmo's Fire. Now, a really good text in from a listener to I know it's Friday and that you're incredibly busy, but something on the echolive.ie caught my eye last night and it actually took the sleep of the night off me. It was about bad batches of ecstasy, ecstasy that they're fearful will be available at the Electric Picnic Festival this weekend, followed by a message from the HSE, which to me beggars belief. It gave examples of what you should do if you decide to take ecstasy. It says, take a small dose first, then two hours later, take some more. Am I losing my senility, Patricia, says this texter, or what? Check it out in your own time, please. Looking forward to your programme as always. Please, please, please don't read out my name. No, I won't read out your name. Uh, and yeah, and it is it is a piece that was written by Anne Murphy and it basically, there are fears and there's a lot of, of media outlets picking up on this. There's fears that there's a high potency ecstasy that is available in Ireland at the moment and because of that there's a lot of messages going out particularly for this weekend with young people heading off to and not so young electric picnic is really for all age groups but anyway but so many people heading off to electric picnic and festivals are associated with drug use so there's a fear that we could have some fatalities uh, this weekend, bearing in mind what happened with the young Clonmel teenager, Jack Downey, who died after taking the sus- substance when he was heading to the the Indie Festival in uh, Mitchellstown. And then last weekend, there was four young people, late teens, early 20s. They were treated in hospital. They took substances at the Charlie Chaplin Festival, which was a festival that was held last weekend in Waterville in uh, Kerry. They'd all taken drugs and had severe side effects they were brought by by ambulance to Tralee Accident and Emergency uh, Hospital. And of course, we know that Jack Downey's parents have spoken out about the dangers of drug consumption. And then David Lane of the HSE's Drug and Alcohol Task Force said that there is a trend emerging across Europe of a higher potency ecstasy that's never been on the market uh, before. David Lane says it's only a matter of time before that particular batch will reach the Irish shores and users simply do not know how strong this drug uh, is. He says there are significant risks when you don't know what you're taking. He said the bottom line is that this is all about saving lives. There's a threat of overdoses, but there's also a threat of death. And because of that, because they're trying to protect life, the message from the HSE to young people or to anyone who's deciding to take ecstasy, particularly at an event like Electric Picnic, that listener is right. The first piece of advice is start with a very small dose. See how you react to the drug. Wait at least two hours before taking more. They also say do not mix drugs. Third piece of advice is to keep cool and stay hydrated. And the fourth one, which I suppose is probably the most important, don't be afraid to get help. Be honest with the emergency services about what you have taken. They are there to uh, help. But, But one of our listeners is just shocked that the HSE would even be giving advice to people on how to take drugs. Are the HSE right? Are they right to give these warnings out? Are they? I mean, they're doing it because they want to, pre- to prevent fatalities. Nobody wants what the Downey family are going through. Jack Downey's parents, he was an only child. He went off to the festival. His father was a, is a guard. You know, they would have had all the chats, all the conversations about drug use and not you know how dangerous drug use is but when young people decide that they want to do drugs you know the, you, can be, you can be the best mum and dad in the world and if they want to do it they're going to do it so I suppose the HSE are kind of saying 
this going to happen. It's, it is it is a case, no matter how much security is at electric picnics weekend, no matter how many searches go on, no matter how many Gardaí are present, there will be drug taking at the festival this weekend. And the fact that we know that that's going to happen, do we, do we then, this is the HSC's thinking, do we then make it uh, as safe as possible, if you can ever be safe taking drugs, but give them the advice and hope that they heed the advice and hope that they take only a small amount and then if they have a reaction at least they can get help and they're not going to die because they only took a very small uh, amount so are the HSC right to be issuing that kind of advice one of our listeners though it lost a good night's sleep over it last night 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Laura Gelga RC 103 Rogux Nisha August Kurok Idokus Erhi Akahirok. This Astor A Ahar Lesh, August Lansirsha A, Nora Lyric C. Sims and Astorot, August E in Aposta O. Ba A on Skinon Atonement, on K Skinon Arena Sirsha, August Ba Gwina Dena Hashori is Oga Reeve E. Con Anvahu Con, Oscar Agonohu Dun Skinon U. Radom Skanan Yukta is Telefisha Naharan, a Sirsha Gavila Sahinjo, nor Glakshi Rule and Prief Character to Skanan Hanan. Balikshi Shay Radom Ella da Hashwart to Skanan Brooklyn, August Talk Luagus Kal or Hianish, Mar Astra Moor Leron. Danan Sirsha Alan Ober Yonok, Dun Karnacht ISPCC, August Larin Chi or Son Gurilta. Le Blur Gwelga. Is Misha Abi Nivinikon or Gwaskult Mosavish Mar? CK'd Asa 3 Kirkig. Hi, it's Simon. Join me all next week on Cork's More Music Breakfast as we team up with Kellogg's Cocoa Pops. We're celebrating the fact that Kellogg's Cocoa Pops now have 30% less sugar than other chocolate flavoured rice cereals. And I've got some cold hard cash for you to win. Cocoa Pops has 30% less sugar on average than other chocolate flavoured toasted rice cereals. For verification, see CocoaPops.com. Be here from 6am Monday to find out how you could win with Kellogg's Cocoa Pops and C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now this week we spoke on the programme with Paul Sheehan of the Cork Simon community who discussed the continued problem we have with rough sleepers on the city streets. But we di- what we didn't discuss though is a rough sleeping village which has sprung up in the city centre and highlighted yesterday in the Examiner by Owen English. Fianna Falls Councillor Fergal Dennehy is a member of the City Council's Homelessness Task Force. And uh, Fergal joins me. Good morning to you, Fergal. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome. Just outline where this tented village is and how many homeless people are living there. Um, this, it's in the Mardyke, um and there are 17 tents there. But I suppose it's, it's, it's not that new because we've always had uh, sporadic tents spring up. As you know, we had issues on the quayside last yeah. year with, with, with tents there. And, you know, we tend to get it down by Parky Quays on occasion. And, um, you know, we've individual tents. We had one in by Red Abbey, which is in the, the centre of town there, um, last week. So it's, it's nothing new, I suppose, the fact that there are so many. is, is bringing That's what the story is, the fact that there's 17. Yeah, and I suppose, look, the, the, the homeless community in Cork are a very strong community 
Um, people wouldn't probably believe it, but, you know, these people do help each other out. Um, I suppose in many cases they're, they're down on their luck and they're there to help and support each other as well, you know. But I yeah, because reading issue. reading the article yesterday, uh, Fergal, it does appear like they've set themselves up almost like a little community. Yeah, and 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 they are a community. Now, I think uh, I would be very concerned, Patricia, because uh, we know we've uh, an orange weather alert at the moment, mm. um, and certainly that's not a place to be. Um, you know, we're at the end of August, uh, the weather will change over the next number of weeks and months, and uh, tent living isn't certainly something that you'd like to see anybody trying to do over those few months. But we've got to look at the issue and got to wonder why these people are there. And uh, the biggest problem is that people are actually afraid to go into emergency accommodation. Um, you know, in Cork, we have three three main providers. We've got the Simon Community, we've got Edel House for Women, and we've got St. Vincent's. Um, I suppose Simon is the, the, the main emergency accommodation centre. The other two would, would be more kind of long-term. Um, support, but uh, the, the issue and the, 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 what's coming back from the, the, the tent is that people are actually afraid to go into emergency accommodation, and it's something we've been talking about for a long time. Uh, one of the main issues is that you know we have one main facility on Anderson's Key, and within that facility you have absolutely everything. Uh, your demographic could be from an 18-year-old girl to maybe a 70-year-old man. Um, there's no, you know, there's no breakdown. You have people in there, unfortunately, with issues with addiction, be it uh, alcohol or be it drug addiction or be it mental health issues. And uh, in some cases, you dual diagnosis. And, you know, I've been saying for a long time that you can't expect, you know, to just bunch everybody into the one building and, and expect it to work because it's it's not going to. Um, take, for instance, Dublin. Mm-hmm. I met with part of Peter you know, very recently. And they have in the region 17 different uh, facilities in Dublin. So, uh, for instance, uh, they'd have a wet house. Uh, they would have uh, a facility for uh, youths between 18 and 25. And, you know, it's broken down because you often find that... And, and sorry, a wet, a wet house is for for people who, who have alcohol issues? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so, therefore, somebody that's battling and a recovering alcoholic would know... Don't go anywhere near that particular unit. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's it's been an issue for a long time. Uh, only recently we managed to get Chokvera open on the Western Road. It's a, a Kungvera, um 17 bed facility for, you know, we had, a, we had a state where people were, you know, putting their hand up, admitting they had a problem, going off in three months in, in Kungvera and coming back with nowhere to go. Um, you know, they're back in the streets or back inside in the, the emergency shelters and, of course, you know, back in familiar surroundings and it's very, very difficult. But uh, recently, shops were open. So it's, it's more things like that that we need to see, more facilities like that. And, of course, we need to address the, the, the issues to begin with. I mean, look at homes. This is a matrix of com- complexities, Patricia, you know. Mm. You've got the economic homeless. You, you've got people that look may have suffered abuse in the past and, and, and have issues with that which has maybe led to alcohol abuse and, and so on. So we need to address those issues as well. But for the moment, um, what we've been saying is that um, we need more facilities, just not one main facility. And to be fair, um, I think you mentioned you spoke to Paul Sheehan. Yeah. Um, the Simon community themselves have said that they would much rather more facilities rather than one main building, you know. I mean, they're, they're providing floor space now at this stage just to, you know, anyone who doesn't want to be out on the streets. 
Yeah, you know, they're, uh, well, they're, I mean, they're, they're so full. And Paul, uh, we also, we, the reason we'd invited Paul onto the programme was he was speaking about the abuse that some rough sleepers get from drunk people coming out of pubs and clubs uh, who should know better and just go home and leave these poor uh, rough sleepers um, alone. Uh, and it struck me then when I when I saw these, the 17 tents, particularly for females, they probably feel safer in a tent off the main streets than sleeping in a doorway. Yeah, um, well, uh, I know that, look, at some would sleep in doorways because the CCTV there, you know, for instance, so they'd, they'd feel a little bit safer there. But I think particularly for females, yeah, sleeping in the, 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 the city centre isn't uh, isn't ideal. And that's why, I suppose, they're, they're so far out of town, but yet close enough to town, you know. Mm. So, look, I mean, at, at the end of the day, as I said, the, the, the issues as to why people are there to begin with need to be addressed, but also we need, we need far more facilities than what we have. Uh, for instance, if um, somebody presents themselves this evening and they may be deemed to have too much alcohol on board, they're given a duvet and sent off to, you know, one of the corners, what's commonly known as the cubby holes, which would be in the back of the Carrion Hotel and in around that area, you know. Um, to sleep well, it off. Sleep it off on a, you know, and that might be, you know, I suppose it's not acceptable at any time, but particularly during the, the cold winter months, you know, the mm-hmm. concrete is cold and we're expected to throw the duvet down there and, and, and sleep there. I know there are a number of voluntary organisations that do great work out there and, you know, they'll provide additional bedding and, 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 and pillows and, and, you know, a bit of insulation from underneath the, uh, the, the, the duvets, but it's not acceptable in this day and age. What we've been saying is that we need a, another tier of service for anybody that is turned away, and this is what happens in Dublin. If they're turned away from one facility, they're brought on to another facility where, you know, they have a better chance of being accepted in that because, you know, there's a variety of, as I said, then if it's an issue with, with, with alcohol, at least they'll be accepted into a wet house, you know. Whereas if they get turned away in Cork, there's, there's nowhere else for them to go except the, the streets. It's the cubby holes and a duvet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mentioned at the outset that you're on the homeless, the council's homeless task for, force. Are you managing to achieve anything? Are there any... Well, it's, a, it's actually a, a subcommittee that we set up. Um, it was in reaction to a number of deaths on the street to Cork and particularly one of those deaths was somebody who was turned away and uh, ended up in, in, in the cubby holes. And it's to see, you know, it, it, there's no simple answer to it, Patricia. Uh, what we have been looking for is a facility that if somebody is turned away, uh, it's somewhere they can go to that's, that's warm. It's, um, you know, it's sanitised, secure. Uh, it's not like what you mentioned well ago, um, people on the, the streets afraid of drunks coming over to the pub and that type of thing. It's somewhere safe. It's for one night only, you know. It's it's just as that they can get a night's sleep and present themselves the following day in the um, the emergency accommodation again. But look, it's 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 better than sleeping in the cubby holes. Um, it's not a long term um, facility that we're talking about. That's 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 a very short term solution to it. I think the long term solution to it is is the more facilities. I mean, we need it. As I said, Dublin has seventeen, but look. Admittedly, the, the problem in Dublin is probably twentyfold to what it is in Cork. I don't know if you walk the streets of yeah, yeah. Dublin in recent times, and it's a, it's, it's a huge, huge problem. I'm looking at groups there dealing with maybe two hundred individuals on, on any given night, so it's, yeah. uh, it's a much greater problem in Dublin. And uh, if what's your gut instinct? Is the is it going to get worse before it gets better, Fergal? I would think that it would would have gotten better at this stage, um, but from what I'm seeing, there's new people coming on the streets. 
Uh, I go in town regular enough and I would know a lot of the, the Holmes community. I met a number of them on, on Saturday night. It's it's a long-term program. I mean, there is Housing Forest, which is a government uh, strategy. That over the next, that has begun now, but that over the next three years will take 30, maybe 40 people from emergency accommodation from the, the, the same community. Um, it would put those people into sort of independent living and there'll be wraparound supports there as well. That will free up a bit of space, but from what I see, there's just more people coming online and coming online all of the time. Um, you know, amongst those people, the, the 17 uh, tents that are there and the people living in those tents, the, the issues are wide and varied and complex, you know. If there's one guy who's out of prison, somebody had a place and they lost their place. So there, there's so many different issues, Patricia, to be dealing with. As I said, it's a, it's a matrix of complexities and there is no one single yeah. solution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed there isn't. All right, uh, Ferguson, we leave it there. Appreciate you taking our call. Thank you for that. Thank and you. Uh, we'll talk again. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil. Cork City Councillor Fergal Dennehy 1850 Lines open Sunday mornings C103 brings you interviews with actors and theatre directors concert news and show reviews live studio performances and festival roundups exhibition info and the very latest film news The Arts House Sunday mornings 8 till 10 with Griffin's Potatoes Cork planted picked and produced in Cork the great taste of home on C103 you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 Now next Monday night a public meeting will be held to discuss what is being described as a crisis which is about to unfold on Bandon's roads. Joining me, the organiser of the public meeting and that is Alan Tennyson. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you, you're welcome to the programme. You, you, you fear that the gateway to West Cork will be turned into the bottleneck of West Cork. It's the Council's T-Prep Traffic Management Plan, which stands for the Bandon Transportation and Public Realm Enhancement Plan. That's you don't exactly, feel it's going yeah. to enhance the town. What, what do not, you feel is no. wrong with this plan? Well, it's very simple, Patricia. Okay. It is going to leave Bandon with two unfinished bypasses. So the plan proposes to create a bypass from the Cork Road over to the McCroom Road. But it will, it will then bring the traffic down Kilbrogan Hill and round Copper Grove. So I want you to picture all, HG, all HGV traffic east-west, all the trucks going to Calbury, all the trucks going to all the ports and Union Hall. And That's Patrick. a busy road. That's a very busy road. And all of that HGDB traffic is going to come down to Kilbrogan Hill and round the Copper Grove, east-west. Not only will it create that bottleneck on the north of the town, it will do nothing to um, solve the, the current crisis, which is happening on the south bypass, where we have that unfinished uh, bypass. And that hill totally unsuitable. You know the one I mean. I do, yeah. From, yeah. 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 from Clausher on Tuberine yeah. down to the Kilbert Road. Completely unsuitable for HGVs. HGV drivers are struggling to get up and down that hill with heavy loads and they have to, they're forced to go through the town. So, you know, the ordinary working people that are trying to drive their rigs, um, trying to deliver to the businesses of West Cork are being completely neglected. Uh, by this and it will only get worse if this plan goes ahead. 
Okay, let's try and look at some of the possible solutions. I mean, if they don't route the HGVs down Kilbrogan Hill, what do you suggest they do? Evidently, it's obvious. You finish the bypass in one phase. This is it's a it's a simple solution. One of the 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 there's a, the proposal is that they'll do it in two phases, but we know from the experience on the on the south of the, the, the town. That they've lasted now for how long? Is it 25 years it's been like mm, that? Mm. Exactly. So it needs, both bypasses need to be finished and they need to be done. Uh, and done in one phase, one phase is, yes. is, is the... Is the also, i just very quickly say about Carberry. Carberry is, um, they're planning a 6 million euro investment. Yeah. Yes, of course. So there's going to be more trucks. That's going to mean a lot more trucks That's on the road. Yeah. a lot more trucks. So... Every business, I'd say to every business owner in West Cork and everyone that drives through Bandon in, and the people of West Cork as a whole, they need to contact Duck County councillors. They need to be exercised about this because it will create a crisis uh, in Bandon. And it will be the current traffic problems that we have, they are temporary. This thing will be, we'll be living with this for years to come. Was there public consultation before the plan was put in place? There was public consultation, yes, there was. And did did people raise, did you raise your concerns? Did others raise their concerns? Yes, we did raise our concerns. Uh, We submitted, there was objections, um, submitted. um, I know my wife Zoe submitted an objection along with the Northside neighbours, Marguerite and McQuaid and other business owners on the Northside were very concerned about this. Um, we didn't receive a reply at that time. I don't know what happened to our objection. I know that one objection did receive a reply. Um, so, you know, this is why we need to have a public meeting. Actually, just to clarify, the public meeting is on the 9th. So, sorry, the 9th. That's, the 9th, that's yeah. Monday. When what, what day is the 9th? That Monday week, yeah, Monday week, the ninth of September. Anyway, okay, okay, and 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 also, you one of your other key objectives is do not remove parking on Kilbrogan Hill. Yes, I mean that is an issue, but evidently that's a smaller issue than the 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 um, how it'll affect the whole of West Cork. But we have, you know. uh, neighbours with disabled parking spaces there. We have two neighbours with disabled parking spaces there whose parking spaces are going to either be removed or significantly, significantly impacted by the huge volume of traffic there. Just the other day... And where, so where were they expecting residents who live on Kilbrogan Hill to park? I don't know. They have to park elsewhere. I but but if, you, if, 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 if at the moment people park their cars outside their houses... You can't just yeah. suddenly take somebody's parking space away and say sorry. Well, obviously well, you can. Yeah. Stay obviously there because Tim, 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 and Band, Tim is in Band and in, in, is a resident of Kilbrogan Hill and finds himself, I think, in that position. Uh, good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm, I'm very well. Are you going to lose your parking space? Yes, I am. You know, it is it is crazy because like it's a public issue. Yet I'm a resident and and Kilbrogan Hill. Yeah. And. Like, you think that being a resident, you should get a written notification as to meetings anyway, because a lot of people cannot handle computers. They don't know one end of it from another. And, like, they say, oh, that was on Facebook. You should know about that. Sorry. 
I'm, you're not on Facebook. I'm, well, I am on Facebook, but hey... But I not everybody down. is. Well, I don't sit down and, and, and indulge in Facebook every other night. You know, I just say that, like, I'm a resident. Surely as a resident, I should be entitled to a notification as to if a meeting is coming up in connection with my... Well, well I, and, and I agree, particularly if your parking space oh, yes. is going to be removed. No, OK, parking space, if they want to do it, there's a big green spot across from me. Let them eliminate that and put a parking for residents there. Right? No. Mm. If that is the thing, right, even do that. But like, I can guarantee you the minute you mention eliminating a green space, there's going to be some upheaval there. Yeah, they're, they're, they won't agree well, to there, that. There is, like, there, there is no upheaval. Was, right. this, was this issue um, Alan raised in the lead-up to the local elections in May? Well, it was. It was, yeah, and uh, you know the county councillors at that stage were very responsive to it, and um, you know we met with them a number of times. All of them voiced their support for it at that stage that they would not, um, that you know that they would object to the um, to the traffic coming down to the being rooted down to Broken Hill. But now at this stage, you know we have to keep it on the agenda because. It is. It continues to be a plan, um, and we, you know, we have to keep it up there. And is there a date sure on when they when they hope to start? Would they plan to start work on this plan? I don't believe there is. Okay. No. All right. So no. there, there, there is, there is still time. And Alan, who have you invited? Have you invited the public reps to the public meeting on the ninth? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. My others in Northside neighbours have uh, have invited the public representatives, and you know, I'd encourage anyone listening to this in West Cork contact your public representatives, come to the meeting on the night, uh, sign up petition. You'll find us um, on Facebook. Sorry, sorry about that, Tim. <laughs> okay. It's a handy way to get things out anyway. Uh, yeah, and, and it's uh, uh, it's uh, say say no to more traffic congestion in Band, and I I saw it on there on the on change dot org as well. Tim, will you go along exactly. to that public meeting? Differently. Well done. Differently. And, where, um, and someone says, where is the meeting? It's in Copper Grove. Copper Grove, OK. Yeah. And it's on uh, Monday week. We'll remind, we'll put a note in and we'll, we'll remind listeners again. OK, we'll keep in contact uh, with you, Alan. And, really Tim, th- and Tim, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, 1850-333-103. Your thoughts, please, on the Bandon Transportation and Public Realm Enhancement Plan. According to those people from Bandon, it doesn't look like it's going to really enhance uh, the town much. Staying with traffic, I've just been told there's traffic jams near the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow. It is due to a stop and go system and traffic is obviously already heavy because traffic's been rooted that way because of the works on the bridge. Uh, so avoid if at all possible. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we mentioned, Fiona Corkin, our senior news reporter, has headed down to APP the meat plant in Bandon where she's been speaking with some of the farmers who are continuing to protest outside the APB plant and uh, she spoke with one of the farmers about how committed they are to staying there. Our business is slowly but surely deteriorating and if we're not going to get better beef prices and better conditions we won't be here in a couple of years time. The beef talks that we've had the, the price of beef wasn't mentioned at the talks and we were talking to Minister Michael Creed the other day and he said there isn't really anything that the government can do because beef prices all across Europe are are falling. Do you accept that? No, I don't accept that from our 
the sources and talk across Europe is that beef is ok steady, okay price-wise. It just seems to me there's an awful difference between the farmer's price and uh, the shop price. It's frightening. And Minister Creed also said that what the government can do is offer assistance to farmers, and they're you know they're in the process of doing that. But is that enough? No, I'm nowhere near it. Like we're supposed to have a hundred million got earlier on this year or the back in the last year. The conditions for that are frightening, and I know it'll ever come. Most farmers are very small. If they they will apply for it and get it, they'll probably get an average farmer will probably get about eight hundred. 6,800 euros, you won't even buy a ration. The injunctions that are in place, there's a risk that farmers who are protesting and, and blocking trucks from going in could end up going to court and even on to jail. Are farmers here aware of that? Yes, there. My looking on that is my farm, I'm near enough retire ageing and the next generation, it won't be there for them. If we want to know for our rights, if we have to go to jail, so be it. I can't. I hope it won't go on that road, but if it will, we're, we are prepared to go there. And what, for you as a farmer, with the, pr- the price of beef the way it is now, like how difficult is it? What way is things for you, yourself? We have to take part-time jobs. Most of the sucking buys, I mean, in, in with the West Cork or Munster, all have part-time jobs. We're pretty only here at 10 hours a day at the job, coming home in the evening and bringing another 5 or 6 or 7 hours, plus the money that we're making at work, we're bringing home and putting it back into the farming. Whereas if we got a reasonable price for our weanlings or our beef, it would make life very comfortable for us. That's how we want. We don't want to make millionaires. We just want to have us maybe see after the countryside, pass on a reasonably good lifestyle and be happy. And Minister Creed was saying that with Brexit looming, you know, there could be um, there could be damage to the trade that we have with the UK and that the a relationship with China would be extra important now and that any blockades or any disruptions to the Chinese visit might hamper those efforts. Um, are farmers aware of that here? Yes, we had talks here yesterday. We were prepared for talks in Bandon yesterday to let the Chinese into Bandon, the ABP in Bandon, to... Um, see the facilities inside and the factory refused point blank to talk with us. We have no problem letting the Chinese in to see but what's going to happen I don't know. Okay and what and obviously we're not naming that farmer's name but what he was referencing at the end was the accountant Kieran Cochran who went in on behalf of the farmer to act to, uh, behalf of the farmers to act as a broker and uh, they said that they would lift the pickets but they were looking for the company to lift the injunction against the protest at the plant and if a restricted number of livestock were allowed to uh, access and that's what the uh, APB management they rejected that uh, offer they did listen to them but they rejected uh, the offer uh, Patricia says uh, Dan why don't the farmers cut supply to all of the meat factories and take a hit for a one year and then find proper clients for the future would farmers consider that and James in Middleton said my neighbour got a price for his animal of three euro 45 cent uh, a kilo that's what he was cautious they were um, when he went back they were going through this grading machine that we've heard so much about and uh, when it was graded he the price dropped to 3 euro 19 cent uh, a kilo 3 euro 45 is the base price so he got less than and that worked out at 90 euro taken off 
the price that he made for that uh, animal. After paying feeding costs, he ended up losing money. Farmers should not be sending their animals to the factory. Uh, so says James in Middleton, 1850 333 103. Now, more of your comments uh, coming in. On the plans, the new traffic management plans that are being designed for Bandon and we know that not everybody's happy with it particularly residents on Kilbrogan Hill who we're hearing are going to be losing their parking space Michael says pretty well about the elderly people on Kilbrogan Hill well the gentleman from Kilbrogan Hill who I spoke with Tim said that there is or was it Alan said it there's actually some disabled space there as well I mean they can't they'll have to find alternative arrangements certainly for the disabled base and I would imagine for the residents uh, as well we'll keep a a close eye on this story and staying with the council and homelessness Audrey says why don't the council take over some of the big buildings that are empty for the homeless people like Clifton House in Montanotti that was a convalescent home so it wouldn't take much to fix it up says uh, Audrey and when we were talking about homelessness that prompted Josh to contact us wait until you hear Josh's story Josh works in the city and he travels from East Cork in to work in the city's centre every day. Now during last month, month of July where, where he parks in the city centre another friend of his also parks in the same car park and they started to notice there was a woman sleeping in her car. She got up every morning, she managed to freshen herself up and then she appeared to head off to work did a full day's work and then she came back into the car park and slept again in the car. So they started noticing that obviously she was there every morning getting up and and heading off and then they could see her in the evening bedding down for the night. So one of the days they decided to have a little bit of a chat with her and she explained that yeah, I don't have accommodation at the moment. I'm waiting on accommodation. I have a job. Don't want to lose my job. So while I'm waiting on accommodation, I don't have any other option. I'm sleeping in my car. She did admit that she was getting nervous at night as she had discovered that there was more people sleeping rough in the car park and the majority of them were men and she was feeling a bit uncomfortable with that. Now it went on for a further two weeks and then it stopped. Well, she'd stopped in that they didn't see her anymore. Now over the next two weeks they, the guys were nice. They brought her coffees and breakfast rolls and helped her out in any way that they could and he said that she, they, Josh said that she it was uh, really appreciative of them trying to help her out and kind of keeping a, a lookout for her. Now they don't know where she's gone. She's The last two weeks she's gone and they haven't seen her, her uh, since. So hopefully she got her accommodation sorted out and uh, life has returned to normal uh, for her but Josh is making the point there's a lot of this going on this is real hidden homelessness isn't it you wonder I mean that woman and I don't know how long she was homeless for probably has not even been counted in the official figures because nobody knew that she was sleeping in her car every night in a car park and according to Josh there's more of it going uh, on it's kind of the hidden homelessness which is which is truly truly shocking thank you uh, Josh for sharing that uh, with us on schools and school buses. Now, so a lot we're going to be covering that in this hour. There's a lot of commentary coming in on this. Hi, Patricia. With regard to the pupils who cannot get seats on the bus, I would like to ask the parents of these children, are they attending their local schools? Bus Aaron have been adamant for a few years now that you won't be guaranteed a seat on the bus unless you are within a certain dis- distance of the cho- chosen schools. I'm thinking... Have the parents chosen to send their children outside the area 
and to another school. And this is the price they have to pay. Why not support your local school? Well, some of the parents I have spoken to, yes, will admit that there is a school, say, slightly closer, or bus Aaron deemed that your local school should be whatever school uh, it is. But, you know, any of the parents talking to me were saying that the school, for whatever reason, didn't suit their child. Maybe it didn't have the subject choices uh, that they want. And, you know, I don't think parents... It's, you sh- it should be you. It should dictate what school your child goes to. Should be dictated because there's a school bus servicing it. I mean, if you think back, we all chose. I mean, I I would have had a choice when I was in school of what secondary school I went to. Now I went to the to the one that was straight from my primary school. But you know, if for whatever reason that school didn't suit, that I did have an option of another school. There was also a co-ed uh, school, and I, I don't think it's fair that parents' hands should be forced if they want, if, you know, and parents choose schools because all, all children are different, all, you know, and I don't think it's right that just because the bus service says this is the school for you that your child should go there. And remember also that some children leave, will swap out, will go from a different school because of bullying. There might have been issues in the school and they're going to a different school now. They shouldn't be forced to stay in a school that they were being bullied in just because the bus dictates that that's, that's their school. Uh, thank you for your, te- for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let me stay with a WhatsApp. The whole situation with regard to school transport is farcical, says this uh, texter. If it remains unresolved, I'll be left with no option but to consider giving up my job in order to transport the kids to school, which in turn will mean I'll have to claim unemployment, benefit, etc., thereby causing the state to pay out a lot more money. Uh, I can, will also be able to apply for a medical card and then maybe my children will get a bus next year. And that's how difficult the situation is uh, for some uh, people. Hi Patricia, this is Cathy. The bus situation in Enniskeen at the moment is an absolute joke. My son is in third year in St Brogan's in Bandon for the past two years. He's been lucky enough to be issued with a bus ticket but wrong route number on it. I had to fight to get his route corrected and his ticket both years as the bus he was due to go on would not drop him up to the school. He was one of the lucky ones who actually had a ticket but the amount who don't in this area is crazy. Bus Aaron need to get the situation sorted ASAP as it's going to get worse as the years go on as the majority of children on these buses are from St Mary's in Enniskeen and Bandon is where the majority of them go. The numbers into that school are getting bigger and bigger so this bus problem will only get bigger and bigger as the years go on. According to the bus Aaron, you have to be in the catchment area for the school to get a ticket so basically bus Aaron are telling parents where their children should go to school so that they can get a bus there that's absolutely ridiculous and it needs to be sorted ASAP says Cathy who I think has really hit the nail on the head This because this is a situation we deal with every year but I've never ever seen it as bad as it is this year and there's obviously extra children coming in going to these schools that Bus Aaron should have been aware of and should be aware of going forward and then we're having the problems of children being turned down uh, for the bus and someone else and um, this the Ban- Balanina and Eskeen area seems to be the area most affected uh, Patricia we're one of the families affected in the Balanina and Eskeen I'm open to correction I think it's 18 children are affected there. My daughter has gone into second year in St Brogan's College in Bandon. She had a ticket last year and the week before she was due to go back this year I got an email saying 
no ticket would be issued as all buses in our area are full I then rang and they said Clonakilty is your nearest school when I checked Google Maps we're one kilometre closer to St Brogan's I sent my child to Bandon because Clonakilty is not a feeder school for our area our child is our daughter is distraught and worried at the moment with all this uncertainty as a parent it is adding undue stress onto our daily life and I have a large family I have to make alternative arrangements with my kids to go and collect my daughter. Also last year on a number of occasions she was left on the side of the road as the bus was full. Um, The bus was full on the way home from school. She was obviously distraught in this day and age it's not good enough. It is an absolute disgrace. We're going to be discussing that issue in more detail. 1850 333 103 on the HSE offering advice to people that are heading to electric picnic and they're offering advice because they're worried about a very high potency ecstasy that they believe is on the market. So they're advising young people going who will take ecstasy or are planning on take it. The advice is you start with a very small dose and see how you react to the drug and then you wait another two hours before taking more. Not everyone is happy with the idea that the HSE would offer advice to young people on how to take drugs. But the HSE will come back and say, no, we're trying to save lives by doing this. We know it's going to happen. We know they're going to take drugs. Let's give them the information that they need. Christy says, the news bulletin just stated that the Gardaí sees some drugs from individuals already entering electric picnic but I didn't mention whether they were arrested or not. If not, the authorities are definitely sending out a message that they have given uh, up. I don't know. We won't know if there's any arrests until the end. It's usually after any of these festivals we hear if there's arrests. If it's a very small amount of drugs, they usually just take the drugs from the person. I think they get a caution, but I don't think they arrest every person that certainly if it's just a small amount of drugs are taken. And then, as we know from the States and their suggestion is just say no to drugs. That mentality doesn't work and it actually causes more harm than good. In the United Kingdom at festivals there's a drug testing tent where people can have their drugs tested to see if they're safe. This has been shown to reduce drug related deaths at festivals in the United Kingdom. People are going to take drugs whether we address the issue or not. The HSE are dead right to give the advice. Actually, this texter says they should be doing more of it. And I'm assuming from your text you would agree with having drug testing tents made available at festivals here in this uh, country. And hi Patricia, in the Mitchellstown incident, the Gardaí, this is the one at Indy, the Gardaí claimed it could have been a bad batch. What a ludicrous statement coming from them. Surely all drugs of this type are bad. Is there not a suggestion that a person should be allowed to have three offences of possession for personal use before anything will be done to them? done to them. It seems that authorities have given up on stamping out on our drugs epidemic. They know who is involved in drug pushing and I can't understand why they're not in a position to round all these uh, up. They they do know exactly who's involved but it's trying to get the big boys because the big boys who are the ones bringing the drugs into this country and the ones that are are never caught with the drugs on them. It's all the runners. It's all the young people that they suck in. They're the ones that the Gardaí, if they're going to go after anyone, will be able to catch. But trying to catch 
the guys on top uh, is always uh, a very difficult one on behalf of uh, Angard the Siakona and they do, believe me, they do uh, try their best. 1850-333-103 I'm just being told five or six trucks outside the meat plant in Bandon are waiting to get in and they are being stopped now by protesters. That's the very latest from APP in Bandon. C103 Jobs Load all driver wanted for the North Cork area while a part-time hairdresser is wanted to work in Kenturk. Fully qualified our three years experience please. Experienced chef wanted for work at the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway while office administrator is wanted 10 hours per week in the Bantir area. Option also to work from home. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. We won by so, so comfortably in the end. It was just fantastic. You know that we were the best team in the country and that we actually proved it on the day to so many people. It gave a bit of hope back in the car football and hopefully we'll drive around now. The latest award winner is Cork under-20 footballer Brian Hartnett for the part he played in the county's All-Ireland success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one is for you. C103. As we've been hearing with the new school year underway, it appears some families are still having problems accessing a seat on the local school bus. According to this week's Southern Star, some students were left stranded after school in Bandon. Why? The bus was simply full. Joining me to outline what's going on uh, some of the parents firstly Nora uh, joins me. Good morning to you Nora. Hi. Um, I'm very well. Now what's the situation in your own family? How many children do you have that needs to access the bus? I have two children. I have my daughter is going to the convent in Bandon and she's in third year and my son is going to Hammy's in Bandon. He's in first year. Okay, and so your daughter... He has a ticket. Okay. A concessionary ticket, and he has none because there's no seat available. Do, had your daughter got a ticket on previous years? She has. She has always been a concessionary yeah. ticket because of where we live, and um, she's always had a seat because there was room on the bus. When you apply for a ticket to bus Aaron, um, you have to be, we say, within the catchment area, and if you're outside that, then you get a concessionary ticket. You're either eligible or you're concessionary. And they so do we it. fall into the concessionary um, category. And because of that, you'll only get a seat if there's a seat available on the bus. And they do it by lottery system, they tell us. A bit, yeah. There, some people will tell you that there, there are different criteria to follow. But um, there was a mix-up in a seat from an ahi old girl. And when I rang Bus and the one in Bus and said to me that, oh yeah, her seat will go back into the lottery system. And then you weren't lucky enough to... to no, not at all. <laughs> Do you know what I find astounding is when, and I think Bus Aaron really need to look at this, if they are going to insist on doing a lottery system mm-hmm. for concessionary tickets, if there's two or three children from one family, they should go in as one. It's very unfair that you will have one child on the bus and one child that you need... To that doesn't get Definitely, on the bus. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. We say within our group at the moment in in Berlin and the Skeen, there's 18 children in our group without a seat to Bandon. And in that 18, there are 11 first year children. Ah. But there's one child in second year. There are three third years in junior cert 
and they've no seat in Tabendon. And there's one girl in uh, fourth year, there's one in fifth year, and there's one doing her leaving cert with no seat to school. And actually, After being on a bus for five years, and the others four and five. I'm waiting, and I, I, I'm after hearing from the leaving search, the the, the mam of the girl with the leaving mm-hmm. search. Wait until you hear this; people will be shocked by this. Uh, school bus man and a skiing. After using this bus as a family from Ballinine for 13 years, our youngest mm-hmm. daughter has now been refused a ticket. She's doing her leaving search. This is a very disruptive start to what is already a stressful school year. It was suggested by Boss Aaron that we move her to another school in the area. Not a very practical yeah. solution in leaving well, the search year. Rural Ireland has been forgotten, but that's not that. That's crazy that somebody would be, that it would even be suggested that you'd move somebody to, for their last year. Sure, definitely. And for any of them to move, you know, like each one and every one of us, one of us have taken into consideration all the different factors for schools, for our children and what's most suitable for them. We're not asking for a bus to Mars. We're only asking from Berlin or in a scheme to our nearest town. Within, I mean, these nearest towns, Dunmanway or Bandon, like we're in the middle, more or less. It's mm. only a fraction of a difference. And because of the different addresses, they decide then whether you'll go which way on a bus, you know. And the other thing that someone informed me yesterday was that after five years, you're wiped off the bus airing system. They don't consider fourth year as a year in the, the tra- school. transition year. We had a lot of parents contact us about that whose who son so and daughter were going into leaving search. Apply again. Yeah, yeah. And Nora, do you ever remember the number, like 18, is, that's a lot of young people. Do you ever remember the figure being that high that of no. not getting concession tickets? Yeah, so no. yeah, it's a um, situation getting worse. Obviously now we have the full support of the schools. Like my son is going to Hamilton High School and um, I've had full support there. They've been on to the Department of Education, etc. Same with the convent. They've gone on to politicians and, and they've said that this is a problem with years, but it's escalating. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. And locally, we'll say, in the last few years, I've known of different children with problems, but it may be only one or two and they've got sorted or people give up on it and just drive themselves. Mm. But there's one child in particular, he started Hamilton High School. He's now in his third year. He started an all-boys school and they made him go on an all-girls bus. Like, that was an awful start for a 12-year-old child to be, you know, the mocking he got starting in a new school. Very hard. And that, so and vulnerable that, that yeah, yeah. St- stay there. I want to bring in uh, Magella because she's in a similar situation. Good morning, Magella. Uh, Magella, what's your situation regarding your children uh, and concessionary tickets? Well, it's my it's my first child going to secondary school. Okay, which is stressful when, enough. Exactly. When I applied on the Butler website, I was told it came up on that that Clannacilty Community College is my nearest school. But now, our our national school here in Inneskeen is not a feeder school for Clannacilty Community College. But Bus Aaron will not take that into account. They're telling me it's because it's the nearest school, regardless of the fact of whether we're a feeder school or not, it makes no difference. And that you can just appeal it to the Department of Education or to Bus Aaron. And did you? I have appealed it, yes. And but got nowhere? No. No, we're just, um, they ah. just keep coming back saying you're a concessionary passenger. The seats, there's a 53 seater bus and a 33 seater bus on the route going in, serving three secondary schools in Bandon. And the, the buses, both buses are full. 
So a 50, OK, 53 and a 33. So if they increase that 33 to a 53, that'll give an extra 20 seats. That would accommodate the 18 students. Yes. Well, it would accommodate the 18 we know of. But we think there is possibly more that are maybe not part of our group. And like some people have just had this problem year after year and they've just given up on it. But possibly it would need a bigger bus than that. And what, Can I, Nora, yeah? Sorry, can I come in there? Yeah. Um, yesterday, the bus inspector um, spoke to one of our parents and said that there are 25 students waiting for a ticket on our bus. And he also said to her, it makes no difference if you're from Inneskeen or not. They have no seats left and you can apply again next year. And he finished by saying, do not contact me again. But forget about this year, it's done and dusted. And yeah. but, and then, but then next year, those numbers will be the well, same and could even, might even be higher. Yes, well... We think, now we're, we're only trying to figure out there's about three or four maybe leaving cert students that were on our bus that are gone off the bus. Yeah. There's 22 gone in from Inneskeen National School this year. Into first year? Into Bandon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what what happened the other day where some children got on the bus in the morning and then there was... That's right. They're how did children, that happen? They're the, the, the lucky children that are classed as eligible and yeah. they have their tickets. So there's their ticket in their hand. The children went away to school Wednesday morning and um, there was five children actually left in Inneskeen Car Park. They had their tickets and they were told, sorry, the bus is full. So Wednesday evening then, they came to their bus in Allen Square. Most of them were Brogan uh, students and they came to their bus and they were told, sorry, the bus is full. There was one family where the son was on the bus and the daughter was left on the footbed. The son was only first year, and he was quite upset. He didn't know what to do, and he's seeing the bus pulling off, and his sister left on the footbed. And then one of the mothers will say, in our group of the 18, we're all going in and out every day collecting our children. And um, One of those mothers saw this, this girl and said, do you want to spin home? So she picked her up and brought her. They went around the corner, found another first-year broken child in the same boat, left abandoned. She picked him up. They went around the next corner and they found a Hamilton High School young fella crying. He had no phone, no way home, wasn't left on oh, the bus. bless. And as you say, that first... That, the, yeah, going old. into first year, it's a, you know, we, yeah. we only actually did an interview about it last week, about that transition. You know, it's mm-hmm. a huge, huge uh, transition. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I later learned that evening that there were nine in total left, in, that nine that I definitely know of, left in Bandon that evening. Okay, and I can see a lot of the parents contacting us. Uh, Jenny says, Mm -hmm. hi, I'm one of the parents with a child starting first year. I'm a single parent. I work full time. I can't drive. I'm having to rely on my 72-year-old mother to take my son, who is also going to St. Brogan's, as my older son was there before. If the school will accept our children now, how can they say we can't send them there? In this day and age, it's a joke. We're not asking them to be taken to the city. It's only the local school. And these ladies, she's very fulsome in her praise. These ladies are going above and beyond uh, to help all of us with the bus problem. Thanks uh, a lot. Thank you for that, um, uh, Jenny. And also we heard from another parent who's actually considering giving up work because they've no other solution other than to give up work to drive the kids to and from school. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I know Christopher O'Sullivan wants to get involved. I'll put the ladies on on hold there because I have a, have a funny sound um, uh, on that. Uh, Christopher, uh, the county mayor uh, joins us, who actually drew, who actually contacted us yesterday to draw our attention to this uh, issue. Good morning to you, Christopher. Morning, Patricia. This, it's now we were hearing from a lot of other air, areas where there's been problems with the bus. It seems to be particularly bad for Ballinina and the Skeen. Yeah, what a mess! Um, what a mess, and, and what an avoidable mess as well. Because for me, the, the solution is quite simple. Um, you provide the Department of Edu- Education and Skills through bus airing and through the contractor. You provide a bigger bus, and you and that is the solution. Um, and it's something. I mean, it's great first of all to see the increase in the number of, stu- of students coming out of Inniskeen National School in particular, uh, attending Inniskeen National School and then going on to secondary education. That's fantastic and we should be celebrating that. But there needs to be a bit of forward thinking, a bit of foresight from Bus Erin and from the Department of Education and Skills. They should have seen that this was going to be an issue and it was going to be a problem. And the solution is simple and it's, it's common sense. Uh, provide a bigger bus. Um, I think it's important, that, you know, I, I don't have children. I don't have, certainly don't have children attending school and it's hard to get your head around terms like concessionary and eligible. So I think a good a balanine in the scheme is a perfect example to explain the anomalies in terms of the school transport scheme. Uh, you know, balanine in the scheme, you're very, very yeah, familiar with yeah. it. And, and you certainly don't need this explained to you because I know it's something that comes up every year, but maybe some of the listeners, a, a simple example would suffice. Uh, balanine in the scheme is um, villages run from east to west. You, They're right in the middle of, I suppose, uh, Dunmanway, uh, Bandon uh, and Clonakilty geographically. But in Skeen National School, the school that most of these children attend, is a feeder school for the for the um, for the abandoned schools, Hammies, for example. And always so, has been. Always has been. So yeah. you take an example, and I'm making up names here: uh, Johnny and Mikey. Okay, Johnny uh, attended in Skeen National School. So did Mikey. They're best of friends. All belong to them. Attended Hammies. They went to Hammies. Uh, Johnny happens to be from the eastern side of Ballina Skeen, the abandoned side. But Mikey happens to be from the Domanway side, uh, the western side, OK? Now, according to the school transport scheme and the lack of discretion and the strict rules, poor Johnny has to head to Domanway, even though all his friends, all his family before him have headed to Hammies. And uh, Mikey, on the other hand, has to uh, will attend uh, Hammies because he can get the eligible tickets. Now, Mike, Johnny can put his hat in the um, name of the hat for the concessionary ticket, but it's a lotto system. Yeah. And we have had situations in the past that it keeps cropping up on on, on your show, um, Patricia, where maybe two or three kids have missed out on the lottery system. And it's very tough luck. But maybe it doesn't merit getting a bigger bus. But a situation where... With this number, students, yeah. 18 students, surely be to God, uh, the parents deserve, deserve better, the students deserve better. They deserve better than the one-liners that they're getting from uh, John Halligan's office and also from the um, bus area. And, and Christopher, I also buses. think, and it was high, and you know, it's the case is highlighted by Nora, who's got one child who got the ticket and one child that, that didn't, which means that, you know, in Nora's household, somebody's got to get in the car and drive the other child to school, so you might as well jo- have, have the two of them. Um, I, I can't understand when they're handing out the concessionary tickets if there are two or three children from one family. That and that name, that that family name should come out, and they should give the concessionary tickets to everybody named on that family that, ticket. And that's where the word discretion comes in. And you see, and common sense, ed- common sense, and the Department of Education is full of contradictions. Okay, so for example, they're very, very strict in terms of distance from the school. If you're closer to one school, then you cannot, you're not eligible. You're not an eligible child for the other school. Okay, but then that is contradicted by the fact that let's take Magella's child there. There's an over-subscription of uh, 
students already to Clonakilty Community College. Um, and they are prioritised based on their feeder schools, okay? Inneskeen mm. National School isn't a feeder school for Clonakilty. It's a yeah. feeder school for Hammies. So they're completely contradicting themselves yeah. uh, in terms of their processes and how this works. So it needs action. It needs a common sense of... The, the, the answer is easy. It's simple. You basically hit the nail on the head. A bigger bus will certainly cater for... It'll cater for the 18 students that we know of, at least. As the county mayor, can you do anything? Well, I've made representations to John Halligan's office. As I said, I got the one-liner. Uh, I've made representations to Paul Aaron. They said they're saying that they can't show any discretion. Um, I will certainly, using the, the office of mayor... Um, do my very, very best to put pressure on. I think uh, this will have to come from the Department of Education Skills, from John Halligan's office, to use a bit of discretion to instruct bus Aaron, to instruct the contractor to provide a bigger bus. And these 18 students uh, can go on with their education uh, and go on to do great things. Hopefully. Okay, okay. Keep in contact with us, um, Christopher. And actually, we look forward to seeing you next week. You're joining us for our outside broadcast for the Can't test wait. of West Cork. Looking forward to it, uh, Christopher. Thank you for that. That is Councillor Christopher Sullivan, who is the County Mayor. Let me bring in uh, Nora and uh, Magella back into us. Nora's gone. Uh, Magella, are you still with us? I am. Uh, Magella is is, is still there. I mean, I don't know how much clout the County Mayor, you would like to think that his office would, would carry some clout, but it does seem fairly simple solution just put on a bigger bus or an additional and like, bus. As he said, I suppose we're in an unusual situation in that we're pretty much bang on between the two schools. Like you're talking a fraction of a mile of difference between the two towns, between Demanway or Bandon. And the reality of it is, as Bus Aaron said, if we send all our children to Demanway, the bus that is there going to Demanway at the moment can't take them. It's too small. So a, a bus will have to be put on there anyway. So why can't they put that bus on going to Bandon? And you how? Know, and I say you're uh, down to a fraction of a mile in difference. What? How are you coping at the moment? What are you doing? What's, Sorry. What, what are you doing at the moment to get your child to school? I'm carpooling with another parent. I'm taking them to school in the morning. We're lucky enough. The other parent is on holidays at the minute, so she's able to collect them in the evening. But we're going to have to look at that again now once she goes back to work next week. Yeah, somebody's saying, uh, Patricia, they haven't a clue up in Dublin when these decisions is made, what happens down the country or what it's like to live they in don't. the country. And there I are so many f- forms of, sorry, there's so many forms of transport up there as in Dublin that they don't care what happens down here. Common sense is not that common. And then another exactly. listener, Mary, says, uh, could collectively, could the 18 families get together and put on a private bus? Has that been looked at? Well, now, one person, one TV that we approached on the matter got a quote from a private operator. Yeah. And it was going to work out at about €150 per day to run that bus, which would work out at about €1,800 for the year for a child. Yeah, great. No, With bus there and you're paying €350. Yeah, that's just, yeah. It's not possible. That's another mortgage to parents. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not going to be... feasible. Okay, we will keep in contact uh, with uh, both you and uh, Nora uh, Magella and also we'll keep in contact and by the way we have contacted uh, Bus Aram this morning and um, if they get back to us with anything we'll bring it to you. Listen, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you Patricia. Uh, thank you for that. 1850-333-103 um, Our lines are open and thank you to so many of the parents have contacted us this morning on this particular topic as I say if anything does come back from uh, Bus Aram certainly before the close of the programme we will bring it uh, to you. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Next month UCC will run a programme called Rejuvenate which is described as a bespoke programme for women wishing 
waiting to return to work to discuss who the course would suit. I'm joined by the manager of the programme and that is Dr Joanne Fearon. Uh, good morning to you Joanne. Good morning, and, thanks very much uh, for the invitation. Well you're, you're welcome. Do you believe that there are many women out there who just find it difficult to return to work following a career break? Maybe they gave, they took time out to raise a family and they just they just find it difficult to get back Well, we know the evidence indicates that. We know that women returning to the workplace after, as you say, any kind of a break, you know, there's a a confidence piece there where you nearly feel like an imposter. And a lot of people have heard of this imposter syndrome. And, you know, our idea is to rebuild confidence and rebuild belief in yourself to put yourself back out there. And we're doing it under kind of three different pillars. So this is the practical skills, the, the, the LinkedIn, the CVs, the practice interviews. But equally important is the confidence building piece and the mentoring and the, the realizing the skills you have built when you've been out of the workplace. They may not be paid workplace skills, but you have a whole set of auxiliary skills that are valuable in the workplace. And then because it, this program is fully funded by Taste for Success Skills Net, we're bringing in the food piece and what's been happening in the food sector since maybe you've been out of the loop. All right, yeah, and it's to, to get the message to you haven't lost the skills that you had before you gave up to take your, your career break. Those skills are still there. They're still there and they're actually nearly augmented by what you've been doing yeah. while you've not been there. You know, it, it's, it's a real loss to the economy that we're not able to facilitate this transition back to work for people because they have a very valuable skill set. And your programme, Joanne, is tailored to work in the agri-food industry, yeah, isn't it? So it's, it's sponsored by the Taste for Success Skill Net, who are all about um, upskilling people for work in this sector. We're based in the Food Industry Training Unit in um, UCC, and so we're all about continuing professional development for the food sector. And now we are taking a very broad remit of what the food sector is. So we have some people who have signed up for the course who are coming maybe from a tourism background, but they see an angle in artisan foods in there and they're they're kind of seeing where they're at. And we're also catering to the large food employers that we would all know that are, you know, largely monster based. So it's good that we're in Cork. And it's full time? Full time course? Nine days in September, so it's Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, starting the 9th of September for three weeks. And then there'll be a work placement after that. And we've even kind of, we've tried to facilitate people with school. So we're running full days on the Monday and the Tuesday and then Wednesday we'll aim to finish up by about lunchtime, you know, to facilitate the school time for people who are in that transition phase. And where are you going to run the course? So we're going to run it in the, the workspace in the Bank of Ireland on Patrick Street. We were trying to think of all the angles of transport links and all that. So um, they have a beautiful space in the back there that they've given us and we're going to use that. OK, well, well done. And if, if somebody listening is interested and they're in receipt of a social welfare payment, what, does it affect the social welfare payment? No, they, 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 this is a transition thing. It's funded by the Taste of Success Skill Net and they're absolutely eligible to apply. All right, that's, that, that, that certainly is good, good to hear. And you're saying this work experience, your work experience lined up for them? We, what we're going to do is, because everybody will be coming from a different background and with a different aim, so at the very start of the programme, we're doing some visualisation stuff about saying, well, what is it? Do you, where do you want to work and what suits 
your particular set of circumstances and then we will work with that individual because obviously we work with all the food companies all the time but we will work with them to get their work placement at the end of the third week and hopefully you know that will be in place in October, November and so on and people will make that transition but it's absolutely bespoke to that individual person and what they want to get. Well it sounds like a a first of its kind is it this programme? I mean there has been a related programme for the IT sector but this is the first of its kind that we know of for the agri-food sector well and certainly the first that we've run. Well done. And are there many job opportunities in the agri-food industry? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the the industry are constantly coming into us looking for new people. It's it's not a sector that um, we're, you know, we're not trying to shoehorn something in here where it doesn't really belong. There are plenty of opportunities. Okay, so how can people apply for the course? So if they go online and they look for the food industry training unit in UCC, they will find more information about the programme there, the application forms there, and if they want to fill out the application form and return it to me, my details are on there as well. Okay, uh, well done uh, Joanne, good luck with it, and I don't think you'll have any problem filling the course, and indeed good luck to everybody who takes part in the course. And can I just say one final thank yeah. you to Taste for Success for facilitating this. It's fully funded by them, which it really makes it easier for people making that commitment. And Taste for Success are? Uh, Skillnet. Skillnet. Okay, listen, Joanne, thank you for that. Thanks, Emil. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is Dr. Joanne Fearon, who is the manager of that particular uh, course. If you think that that would suit you, it's something you'd like to get involved with. It does seem like uh, quite an exciting programme and as it commences on the 9th of September, which is Monday week. So you'd need to get your skates on uh, if you would like to fill in a form and see if that course is for you, as I say, aimed at women getting them back to work and that whole thing of building the confidence because it can be so difficult when you've been out of work for a while just to believe that you would ever be able to get back into the workforce and you will and with their help you cert- you certainly uh, will. 1850 still getting a lot of calls and texts in about the bus situation. As a parent of one of the pupils says this texter that this situation is only going to get worse and I'm assuming this is coming from the Ballonina and Eskeen area. The number of concessionary tickets this year is approximately 30 This has steadily increased over the last number of years and it still has not peaked. Now here's a really interesting point. Is the Department of Education not looking at the census figures for the increasing number of pupils? Yeah, the information absolutely spot on. The information is there. They know exactly how many children are in uh, every area of the country, how many boys, how many girls. And the simple maths will tell you how many children are going to be coming up through sixth class? How many are going to go on into secondary school? And how many are going to be need needed to be on the bus? Yeah, uh, good point. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. We're going to take a break. We have news at uh, midday on the way. We'll talk movies in the next hour. Going to bring you that fantastic poem. If you are a dog lover, it's a must for you. And so many people have asked us to play one, the Kildare Rose I think it was the Kildare Rose singing the parting glass from the Rose Tralee the other night so we're going to do that on the next hour Get weekly news event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes Nice dress uh, It's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. 
Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really really want it all to work out while you're away. monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. In between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports. Or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me go to more of your texts coming into the programme. I just want to wrap up on more of the ones that have come in from Balladine, Enniskeen and the people who have been affected by their children not getting onto the school bus. Local councillor John O'Sullivan was on. Uh, he says that all of these problems, because it isn't just, I mean, we're highlighting Balladine, Enniskeen today, but we've heard from other areas as well that have had, are having huge problems this year getting all the children onto the bus. John, councillor John O'Sullivan says this has to go back to a change that was introduced a number of years ago with the feeder schools and the catchment areas. And he cites an example of his own hometown of Court McSherry. The pier head is the divide for the concessionary tickets and the split sees the, these on either side either going to Timoleague or Barry Row National School but uh, Bus Aram and the department are splitting villages it's too much stress on parents and children and in Balneen and Eskeen it's the same it depends on what side of the village you live on it just seems absolutely nuts that you can you can just draw a line down a village and say when well, you're on that side you've got to go to that school and you're on that side of the village so you've got to go to that uh, side some of your whatsapps in hi Patricia the bus situation I'm involved with a group from Ballinine and Eskeen it's a very stressful time uh, as it is with the transition to secondary school my daughter is starting in first year I have three other children who will be heading to St Brogan's in the next four years I'm living 350 metres from the bus pick-up point in the car park. Enniskeen is a feeder school for Bandon. As has been said, a bigger bus is simply needed. Well done to the mums who joined you on the programme today. Yeah, they did extremely well, Magella and Nora, in laying out and setting out and, and painting the picture and telling the story. Uh, they really did well. And a text in saying, hi, I'm I'm here parked in the car park in Enniskeen and I'm actually crying listening to the radio this morning. Now, it doesn't affect my children, but I just feel so sorry for the children and for their parents. As a society, we have enough problems with children and anxiety and mental health rather than making them go through all of this ordeal. It is really tough on the new students starting a new chapter in their lives and going to secondary school is a huge change. Plus, children in exam years, as the parents say, it's a big year 
for these students and they've enough to be dealing with it with exam stress etc without having to sit and worry are we going to get on to the school bus and a final one by text it is a disgrace to think of young first year children being left behind on the side of the road it'll be dark in by 4.30 in another few weeks what then yeah that's there is, there is an issue there on safety. I mean, even listening to what happened on the first day back last Wednesday and how the numbers seem to have got all confused because a lot of people made it on the bus in the morning and then three or four of them didn't make it on the bus home just to be left. I mean, one left without, you know, very upset. He didn't have a mobile home, mobile phone in order to ring home. It's just, that's there's, there's a safety issue, yeah. And when we get into the dark evenings and dark mornings, uh, you are absolutely uh, right. Okay, just on other issues coming in on the drug taking and the fears of the high potency ecstasy coming into Ireland as more young people have been hospitalised. It is electric picnic weekend and there are fears for young people attending, so much so that the HSE issued guidelines telling young people if they are going to take ecstasy, the safest way to do it. And they gave tips and uh, suggestions. Mike said, are those young people mad? Even to hear and think about them taking drugs, have they any pride in themselves, says uh, Mike. Uh, shocked to think that any young person would even consider it. And then on the farmers' protest, a Douglas listener says, are the animal welfare people checking on the welfare of those poor animals stuck in the trucks? And hi Patricia, says another texter, I have an an answer in as much as I don't like to say it, but if all the male calves were put down at birth for a year, that would sort this. We sell them for €25 anyway, so it isn't a lot of money. That's a solution, possible solution, says one listener. And Christy says the meat industry and the government are making a big deal out of the possibility of meat exports to China with this delegation that are over as we speak. Why China? When there would be plenty of demand on other European markets if South American imports were curtailed. If they're also interested in climate change, they would ensure that European markets would be the priority instead of shipping meat halfway around the world. Such nonsense from our so-called leaders. If all farmers stopped supplying to factories for two to three weeks, the issue would be sorted uh, quickly. Kind regards. And that's from Christy. Thank you for that, Christy. 1850 Now, I did promise early in the week that I would do this and we just have had such a busy week. I didn't get a chance to do it. And myself and John Hall made a promise that we would get to this today. This was the Kildare Rose at the Rose of Tralee this year. A lovely young lady by the name of Emer Fogarty. And following her being on stage, we got a number of calls in from people saying, would you ever play out her version of The Parting Glass, which was the song she did for her party piece and the parting glass actually I didn't realise this but it has been recorded by Ed Sheeran a lot of people would know it as an old Irish song but actually did a bit of research here and it's actually an old Scottish traditional song and it's sung at the ending of a gathering of friends now an awful lot of Irish people have recorded it there's a great version by the High Kings Liam Clancy has a version of it and along with uh, Tommy Maycomb they do a version I think the Furies did a version of it as well but Ed Sheeran has done a version of it as well anyway here she is here is Kildare Rose for 2019 Emer Fogarty and her version of The Parting Glass Of 
John, that is the Kildare Rose for 2019, Emer Fogarty and her party piece, which was The Parting Glass. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Ballinhasic Community Development Association, they're holding a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall tonight. Uh, dancing is from 9.45pm. Bingo is in Kildare Parish Hall tonight. Half past eight, doors will open at eight. While Sensational Kids in Clonakilty, they've got a fundraising evening tonight in the Courtyard Bar in Clon. Music from eight with DJ Owen O'Neill. There will be a great raffle prize up for grabs and uh, you can watch out for tickets who are on sale locally. Clyde Rovers GAA, they're holding their annual lottery draw. Jerry Murphy's their weekly lot of draw, sorry. Uh, it's on in Derry Murphy's bar tonight and this week's jackpot is €1,650. Uh, the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind, they've got an open day at their headquarters on the Model Farm Road in Cork tomorrow from 12 noon to 4pm. Admission is €5 per person or €10 per family. No pets, please. And also note there's no on-site parking allowed. Instead, a shuttle bus will run every 15 minutes from CIT. And best of luck to everybody involved in the Aaron O'Leary Memorial Run that goes ahead next Sunday, September 1st, rolling out at 11am from the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. There's an 8km car and bike run and then a separate 30km tractor run. Prizes and refreshments and it's in aid of Bumbulance and the Cork Children's Hospital. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. 
and you outlined some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides. It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. And a Douglas listener says, Patricia, the Kildare Rose, whose song I just played, The Parting Glass, uh, was the second favourite with the bookies. Um, I thought she was lovely. Yeah, I see, I missed her performance uh, completely. I just heard everybody talking about the song and then we downloaded it and then I said, oh my God, I can see now why everyone's talking about her fine singing. And uh, Mary says, hi Patricia, the, with regard to the Kildare Rose rendition of The Parting Glass, uh, was in fact she dedicated it to her late father who passed away at the age of 54. Oh, I did not know that. And then a gorgeous just WhatsApp in from Liz to say, Trish, my mom Ansi Madden passed away on the 18th of May, just gone. It was completely sudden. My brother sang that song, The Parting Glass, at her funeral. I miss her so much in loneliness. Oh, Liz, my heart breaks for you. And what a gorgeous song. What a gorgeous song to sing at a funeral because, yeah, the song is about... Uh, parting and it's about when you're leaving company and you know isn't that exactly what happens when a loved one um, dies Uh, thank you Liz and uh, thank you to the uh, other people a lot of people appreciate that we played it Um, and I'm glad that I played it because it it really is a lovely lovely song Okay, some more of your texts coming in Mary Griffin has asked me to mention that there is a closed clearance sale um, in the girls primary school convent road in Donnerwell today from 2 a closed clearance sale girls primary convent school in Donnerell glad to give that a mention hi Patricia says Joan from Moy I'm sick of all of these people complaining and nagging about this that and everything else wake up people you all voted in the elections to put these useless people into power I'm waiting three and a half months to get my window fixed I've asked local TDs for help but guess what I'm still waiting it's no wonder I never voted says Joe what a joke this country is and it's getting uh, worse I don't quite know how I feel for you Joe that you need to get your window fixed and it's unfortunate that you've had to wait uh, so long but I'm in a bit of a pickle you're giving out about those of us that do exercise our constitutional right and we get out and vote and yet you're complaining because the TDs are not able to do anything for you and yet in the next breath you're saying that you didn't vote. I mean, maybe if you got out and voted, you would have been able to vote in somebody who you felt would have been able to have done something for you. And I hope you get your window uh, sorted out soon. Uh, Keep us up to date on how you get on uh, with that. We spoke about provisional licences during the week and the, the learner permit and yesterday. We had a big reaction yesterday too when we had Moya Murdoch on the Chief Executive of the Road Safety Authority talking about the number of people who were on learner permits for many, many, many years and then I of course did the breakdown and worked out the figures. They're making the the RSA is making about 200,000 euro out of people who have paid 85 euro to sit a driving test that they've no intention of turning up for. They only apply for it, pay the 85 euro so that they can get another learner permit and there's over 8,000 people on a 10th and subsequent learner permit. It would have started out as a provisional licence obviously because learner permits wouldn't have been out when they initially started learning how to drive. So these are people on 10 and subsequent would be in their 40s, 50s and in, and even older. Phil says, Patricia, why in the name of God would somebody pay €85 Euro plus driving lessons and then not turn up for their driving tests? It's a lot of money 
and then we're told there's no money to do the roads or finish them off says Phil well the reason the people pay the 85 euro they don't take any additional driving lessons they're only paying the 85 euro because they need the piece of paper to say they have applied for their driving test their learner permit is out of date and then they go back into the NDLS centre with the piece of paper as any person with a learner permit would do to say I need my learner permit updated the NDLS don't know that this person has no intentions of turning up for their driving test but they must have proven that they've applied for their driving test and the only way you can do that is to pay your €85. Now, you know, the obvious one and I did say it to Moya Murdoch yesterday was bring in a stipulation that you can only get another learner permit after you've sat your driving test. The idea being if you pass, you get your full licence and if you don't pass, then you can get another learner permit and go back and get more lessons. But allowing people basically to buy a learner permit because that's what they've been doing. The 40,000 people are on fourth and subsequent. Now, I absolutely accept the 40,000 odd people on a fourth and higher. Some of the, those could have failed the test four times We've we've interviewed people over the years. They, I think the big the, the I remember a gentleman from West Cork many years ago now before learner permits came in when it was the ordinary when it was a provisional license that you had. I I think the last time I spoke to him this this would be now nearly twenty thirty years ago at this stage. I think he'd failed twelve times and it was nerves. He'd never had an accident or anything, but it was just nerves was was letting him down. I don't know if that gentleman ever got his license or not. Anyway, staying on. Learning permits. Regarding the provisional licence system in uh, Ireland, it is a joke, says this texture. I know of people who have been driving for 20 years without a licence at all. When they're pulled in by the Gardaí, they get a few days to produce their licence or proof of a driving test application at their local station. They simply go online, book an appointment and then show the printout at the station. Then they're off the hook for another few years till they're caught again. They're only laughing at the rest of us in society who pay to run our cars legally. Same people have no NCT certs and it's the same con job. When they get pulled, they simply print off an NCT booking and show it at the station. They have been driving their kids and other people's kids around for years in a car that has no certs and no licence. I even query do they have insurance. It makes my blood boil. But I, I thought wasn't the discretion taken away from the guards when it comes to stopping you and that you had to have your licence with you. Remember before you were allowed, I think you had 10 days to go to your nearest police, to your nearest guard at the station and hand in your driving licence. I thought that was changed and that and it's one of the reasons that we all have to have our licence with us and that discretion. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look into that. It certainly was the case before you were given uh, 10 days. And people driving around with NCTs, it's, I, I'm amazed that they're not getting caught more because I certainly have been stopped a lot. In the last couple of months, I would say, I've been stopped probably on a monthly basis that I'm assuming, because they just look at the windscreen of the car, they're tech, you know, checking for tax insurance and NCT certificates. So I don't know where the people are actually driving, but I'd be surprised if they're, if they're getting around, getting away with it that much. Uh, because there certainly seems to be a lot of checkpoints. Or maybe it's only me. Have other people noticed a lot of checkpoints checking for tax and insurance? 
And then we were discussing yesterday also parking near schools and people parking on double yellow lines and people double parking and just abandoning the car to get their little ones in through the school gates are parking. I cited the one that bugs me because it happens near where I live is people parking on the cycle lane and the cycle lane is on a corner. So when I'm trying to exit from my estate, I can't see with a lot of these cars and some of them are big you know the large kind of people carriers and jeeps and you just can't see around it's, it's really really is dangerous anyway Eileen says I have an issue about parking on the zigzag lines around a pedestrian crossing part of the theory test it says you are not to park inside of these, these lines but it's ignored left right and centre I've approached the Gardaí about it go on Eileen and, and I've approached the council but I see it every day of the year when I pass a pedestrian crossing if somebody walks out beyond the crossing with a big truck parked in front of the crossing they don't have a chance as a driver simply will not be able to see them until it's uh, too late and they're on the road as the truck the tra- truck is blocking them and most young people are on their phones or they're they're heads in their phones and they're not looking anywhere where people stop parking on the zigzag lines. 1850-333-103. Now this is for dog lovers. If there are any dog lovers out there, and I know we have a lot of dog lovers because I know when we do our veterinary slot every week, we get the bulk of our questions are to do with uh, dogs and the, and, and we every now and again we'll get questions in over a much loved pet that has either passed away or the decision is going to have to be made to pass away and the absolute heartbreak in the family. So I came across this during the week and it is from Noel Fitzpatrick, the super vet, you know, the Irish guy who lives over in England and he has just dedicated his life to his veterinary practice. He's not married. He doesn't have any children. His life literally revolves around his work as, and he's like he's kind of the bionic vet because some of the things he has done and you probably have seen him he's a Channel 4 programme simply called uh, Super Vet he, now he does have a house department but he seems to spend most of his time sleeping he's a bed inside in the practice and the hospital he seems to spend most of his time there anyway and he's a huge huge animal lover but a dog lover in particular and he came across a poem that he said very much resonated with him um, and he doesn't know who wrote it or, or anything but he, he, he did it to camera he did, a, he did a little piece uh, to camera uh, on this and it is simply called Just a Dog. And as I say, if you are a dog lover or you've ever owned a dog, I think this will resonate with you too. Here is Noel Fitzpatrick. Just a dog. From time to time, people tell me, lighten up, it's just a dog. Or that's a lot of money for just a dog. They don't understand the distance traveled, the time spent, or the costs involved for just a dog. Some of my proudest moments have come about with just a dog. Many hours have passed and my only company was just a dog. But I did not once feel slighted. Some of my saddest moments have been brought about by just a dog. And in those days of darkness, the gentle touch of just a dog gave me comfort and a reason to overcome the day. If you too think it's just a dog, then you probably understand phrases like just a friend or just a sunrise or just a promise. Just a dog brings into my life the very essence of friendship, trust and pure unbridled joy. Just a dog brings out the compassion and patience that makes me a better person. 
because of just a dog, I will rise early, take long walks and look longingly into the future. So for me and folks like me, it's not just a dog, but an embodiment of all the hopes and dreams of the future, the fond memories of the past and the pure joy of the moment. Just a dog brings out what's good in me and diverts my thoughts away from myself and the worries of the day. I hope that someday they can understand that it's not just a dog, but the thing that gives me humanity and keeps me from being just a man or just a woman. So the next time that you hear the phrase, just a dog, just smile because they just don't understand. Well done. That's the wonderful super vet, uh, Professor Noel Fitzpatrick. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Okay, you went to the movies, you saw Angel Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. And then on DVD and streaming, it's The Sisters Brothers. But we will start with it. Click a clip from uh, Angel Has Fallen. There's been an assassination attempt on the president. The president's top guardian angel, Mike Banning, has fallen tonight. Can't you see that I'm being set up? Mike? You okay? I've been getting desperate. They're going to try and finish the job. I'm not going to stop until I prove who really did this. I can spot that's Morgan Freeman, is it? Yes. In the picture, I love Morgan Freeman. Yeah, and he plays the yeah. president. Ah, oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, that's What's... a surprise. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what's the storyline here? Uh, Assassination we... of the president? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's got Jared Butler uh, in the film as well. So um, as a word of warning to uh, everybody. Now, I tell you what, I've taken the mickey out of Jared Butler a yeah. lot. Yeah. I have called him the worst actor in Hollywood. But he's actually okay in this. Okay. Yeah, he's right. actually all what right. What makes him okay in this as opposed to... Because his... he's a lot more restrained, you know what I mean? Normally he's kind of really over the top. Yeah. He's doing a lot of eye rolling. and But here, no. It's, okay. you know... And is that the producer has told I wonder if the director... director yeah. I wonder if the director has said, look, let's get a bit more passion here, you know what I mean? I mean, it's an action movie, but look, let's let's inject a little bit more emotion in it. And, uh, and you know, obviously he sat him down and said, look, you know, you are a good actor, maybe, deep down. And in fact, he shows it here and he's actually pretty good this is the first time I've ever seen him where I thought Jared Butler is actually an acceptable actor uh, the thing is about this this is actually the third of the series I mean it's hard to believe when you consider the first one was um, Olympus Has Fallen and it was terrible well okay it was okay you know, but at the same time, there was a, a film with Channing Tatum called White House Down, which had the exact same storyline that came out. And that did way better than this film and was very much well, more received better by the critics. Um, but obviously, Olympus Had Fallen had taken enough money so that they made a second one, which was called London Has Fallen. And that was terrible. I mean, that really was one of the worst films of that particular year. Very bad CGI and a ridiculous storyline. And it didn't make any sense. And the CGI was really, really bad. And basically, I think what it did was it suffered from what a lot of action films suffer from, just no depth. 
It's just bang, bang, crash, crash, motorcycles, cars, guns. Let's throw as much action as we can. So, yeah. yeah. So a film with all that action you would think would be exciting. But then you actually sit there going, this is really boring because, of course, it has absolutely no depth whatsoever. So obviously when it comes to this film, obviously the director has decided, OK, we'll sit down and we'll try and at least put a storyline together. And they obviously looked at The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and said, that'll do. We'll nick that story and we'll use that for ourselves uh, because that was a big success. And in fact, what they've obviously decided to do is look back at a lot of those kind of 90s kind of action movies like The Rock from Michael Bay you know a lot of those kind of movies and thought okay that's what we're going to do we're going to bring back those kind of 90s kind of uh, and obviously the guy gets framed yeah but the story is is that uh, he is the Secret Service agent that is uh, guarding the president and the president is attacked this is a very very good sequence with these drones which kind of target all the FBI guys and when the explosions go off I actually went whoa which is something I very rarely do because the explosions to me actually looked real and uh, a lot of the explosions are and I think some of the stunts are there is some dodgy CGI yes and it's a very very good sequence and that opens the film pretty much and I thought yeah that's pretty good I enjoyed that and from then on I ended up enjoying it because of the fact that they did kind of every now and then just sit back tell us about people tell us about their families and so we get to know the characters uh, the problem, and that's important yes. need to know so the after the drone attack he is the only one who survives they then find that 10 million euro has been inserted into his bank account oh. from some uh, Russian oligarch so, so he has been for so he has been framed, exactly, yeah. So what he basically does is, like the fugitive, he goes out to try and clear his name, find the bad guys. And the, I'd say the one disappointed thing is that the bad guy is revealed very, very quickly. I mean, that's the thing that was kind of disappointing for me. But from then on, you do have a series of very, very good action sequences that do work and that are exciting. The thing is, the weird thing is that it wasn't well received at all. Um, I mean, the critics really, really didn't like this at all. If you go on to Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's got about a 34% approval rating. Wow. But amongst fans, it's up close to 80%. And it's at number one in the box office. And this is one of those occasions where I am, I've got my fan hat as opposed to my, uh, critics. my critics hat. Yeah. And I just really, really was entertained by it. I mean, there are people who kind of criticise the, the standard of some of the direction and some of the photography and the weird kind of camera angles. Now, if a director does try and do something a little bit different, I'm kind of very much aware of that sometimes and it annoys me but here it didn't in any way shape or form I thought it was great fun and uh, Jared Butler's really really good Danny Houston chews the scenery as always Morgan Freeman has made it he did this for the money <laughs> which, <laughs> which is great honestly yeah and obviously he got paid by the line because he didn't say very much in this film they put him into a coma and said look you know we just film them every now and then so um, so it's not really his film it's Jared Butler's film and he does really well and I'm very proud of him uh, for proving me wrong that he can not only act but he can also produce a, what I thought was a pretty fun movie okay so Angel Has Fallen in the cinema at the moment mark it out of 10 I'll give it 8 8 out of 10 okay then DVD this is called The Sisters Brothers and we're now I'm looking at this and my straight oh it's a, it's a cowboy and western it's a comedy um, crime a, drama bit of everything it's a bit of everything and that's possibly its problem because it couldn't find an audience I mean they spent mm. 38 million on this um, but it only got about a 7 million dollar return I think so it's been a it's been a major disappointment yeah, it's been a flop at the box office yeah but not certainly with funny enough here the critics really really like this film and in fact it got a standing ovation at the Venice uh, um, Film uh, Festival and uh, it won the best film award at that but it couldn't find an audience and I think part of the problem is, is you've 
just put it there in a nutshell where you said it's a comedy, it's a drama, it's a this, it and it doesn't, it, it doesn't know what it is. It's all over the place. One second it's incredibly violent, the next second it's it, it is funny. Uh, it, just the tone changes all over the place, and so your emotions are just being messed with all the time. You go, am I supposed to be enjoying this? Am I laughing? Yeah. Am I sad? Is it melancholy? Or what is it? And I think that's possibly part of the problem. It's also two hours long, and it goes on just a little bit too long, which is a shame because the production values here, because of the fact that there's so much money thrown into what should basically should have been a smaller movie a little quirky kind of independent movie it would have probably done much better but because of the huge budget and in fact they actually um, they actually filmed this in northern Spain and parts of northern Spain actually look like um, you know California back in the 1850s they've done it before with uh, you know if you think back to Clint Eastwood and the spaghetti uh, westerns, westerns yeah. they, they were Italian movies but they were filmed in Spain that's right yeah. you know, and in fact and th- th- that's what this looks like just looking at the, the, the photographs around it it looks like an old Western, do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's a dirty in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, it's a dirty old Western as well. Yeah, yeah. you know, if yeah. people cross the road, they cross it over planks, over mud, and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah, yeah, and so they look dirty. The cowboys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So John C. Riley and uh, Joaquin Phoenix play brothers uh, Eli and Charlie sisters. And the thing is, is that uh, just as expe- sisters is their surname. Sisters is their surname. surname yeah. yeah. So that's why it's the sisters brothers. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, okay. my worry when I first saw this film, I thought, okay, so their mother's Mrs. Sisters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, okay, okay, at some stage, some clever. Clogs in Hollywood has come up with a title and thought wouldn't it be great if we call them the Sisters Brothers and then they wrote a film around it and if that normally happens it doesn't work but it is based on a book from Patrick DeWitt um, okay. and it's about these two uh, hitmen basically played by John C. Reilly and Wacken Phoenix who will just kill everything and anything for money I mean they just don't really really care and it's a wonderful opening sequence in the dark so you can imagine a firefight in the dark and it's brilliantly directed and it looks great at one stage in the film for example after a firefight one turns to the other and says how many people do we kill I don't know because they just don't really care because uh, they work for a man called the Commodore played here by uh, Rutger Hauer and they are told to go in search of Riz Ahmed who has it's it's, a, it's the time of the gold rush and what he has come up with he has come up with this kind of chemical kind of process whereby if you put this process into the river it'll tell you exactly where the gold is Whoa, and so the Commodore that wants that would have been worth a lot of money exactly so the Commodore wants his hands on that so he sends the two boys out to, 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 to find him to torture him uh, to get the chemical equation uh, for this process okay. uh, to find the gold. Uh, but th- th- about three quarters of the film is really about the two boys getting to Riz Ahmed. So throughout that whole time, we learn more about them. We learn more about their background. They spend a lot of the time bickering. And then at the end, you have this uh, the, the meeting and um, and the kind of the, the process then from then on where the film uh, kind of ends with relationships kind of coming, going and it's a, it's a fascinating film. I mean, I, I really liked it. It is way, way too long. But it is extraordinary. I mean, some of it is, is, is really, really funny. And some of it is really interesting. But there, it, it is quite explicit at times. And, and as I say, the tone is the problem with the film. But how why it bombed at the box office, I don't know. I thought it was great. I oh, thought, yeah, oh. I just thought it was just too long. And two pr- brilliant performances by John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, yeah. And uh, they look the part. They do. They. Do you know the problem is that every time I was looking at John C. Riley, I was thinking... Lauren Hardy I was thinking yeah, over yeah, Hardy yeah, yeah, and, and I yeah. said stop Mark it's yeah, not it's not yeah. it's not it's not Hardy yeah. uh, this is uh, this is Eli's sisters he's playing yeah, um, but terrific. they're both very very good yeah. uh, the film looks amazing um, and okay, so is wor- way better so than worth the watch I certainly think yeah. so and if you're into westerns yeah um, you will certainly enjoy it yeah I was trying not to give away too much of the end there by the I way know. I was, okay, I, you did well you the did ending well. is extraordinary and very okay. very good and very entertaining and um, and it's the sisters brothers the sisters is, brothers is and I recommend it I give that an 8 as well 8 
out of 10. All right. Thank you for that, Mark. Have a lovely week and we'll chat again uh, next uh, Friday. And of course, Mark joins us afternoons at one. Mark is in for Nick up next and he's turning up the feel good factor with these tunes. Uh, it's Mark from One, Martina from Four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your uh, Friday and have a lovely, lovely weekend. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from one. C103. I'm out at CIT today for the Cork City Sports. Rob, hi. How are you? I'm great. It's the voice of Rob Hefner. What are you doing here? Silly question. First and foremost, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of athletics, but I'm I'm lucky to be on the, I'm on the board of the Cork City Sports now as well. Do you see the new talent coming through? Yeah, there's some incredible athletes coming through at the moment. I was asking some of the kids here earlier, name one famous Irish athlete. They all said you. Ari, that's lovely. Yeah, that's great. Join me from one C103. Hi, it's Simon. Join me all next week on Cork's More Music Breakfast as we team up with Kellogg's Cocoa Pops. We're celebrating the fact that Kellogg's Cocoa Pops now have 30% less sugar than other chocolate-flavoured rice cereals. And I've got some cold hard cash for you to win. Cocoa Pops has 30% less sugar on average than other chocolate-flavoured toasted rice cereals. For verification, see CocoaPops.com. Be here from 6am Monday to find out how you could win with Kellogg's Cocoa Pops and C103. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.